1: Welcome to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host Jake Burns. This is a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are talking about your Cleveland Browns and their opponents, specifically the Chicago Bears, with our crossover episode. But before we get to that show with Zach Pearson, we are going to talk real quick about the news and notes that came out for the Cleveland Browns today. Starting off with Odell Beckham being back, where Kevin Stefanski said, we'll see how he progresses this week, but I expect he'll be full go today at practice. The plan is to practice Wednesday, see how it goes that week. Or sorry, see how it goes this week, but I'm not ruling him out. So the week three timeline Brad Steinbruck has always talked about is in play, as it should be. Stefanski wasn't sure if Beckham would be on a pitch count if he plays against the Bears. We've got to be smart with any player coming off an injury. We've got to be mindful of where the player is. To make the decisions on a case-by-case basis specific to Odell. If he plays in the game, I can't tell you if there will be a pitch count or not. Those around him are quite excited, obviously. We're seeing, uh, as Baker Mayfield said, that's not my call to make. Like we've said, we've been here before. When he's ready to roll, it's a long year. And we'll have him uh, have the chance to welcome him back with open arms. It's awesome having him out there. It's so much fun in the huddle. Austin Hooper said such great energy to him and his tremendous competitor. Absolutely love having him back. It's definitely a welcome sight for sure. Stefanski was also noting if he give the Browns a jolt of energy with Odell, yeah, we'll see how it goes, but I'll tell you, Odell's been great out here at practice. He's working really hard. He's gotten a ton of reps with just him and Baker, a ton of seven-on-seven seven in the team drills. I think guys recognize he's a dynamic football player, obviously. As for, uh, you know, losing out on Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper said everyone's got to step up every single position. O-line's going to have to block that much harder. Running backs are going to have to make... Those moves that they need to make, they're going to have to run and catch that much more. Tight ends are going to have to block and catch that much more. You don't make it up with one player. Tide has to raise for everyone else. That's why you kind of have to compensate for losing such a dynamic player in Jarvis for a few weeks. It's unfortunate reality of this game. There's going to be some weeks where superstars aren't out there. Everybody has to step up. Mayfield called Landry a big-time leader for us, big-time player. Those are big shoes to fill, so we're not going to be able to do that. Uh, by one player who's going to have to go out there be ourselves, and we'll just have to be okay with that. We trust these guys, whether it's Schwartz, Higgy, Donovan. We played quite a bit with those guys last year, obviously minus Schwartz, so it's trusting those guys and me going through my reads and finding those completions continue to stay on the same page ahead of the chains. I think that's the way this offense works. Really cool uh, inside the NFL bit from Baker Mike Up, where he's talking about that. Uh, you can find it on YouTube in the NFL for, for last week. When they mic'd up players. And Bakes talking on the sideline about that. No miscommunications. I don't care if the Texans know exactly what we're running. We cannot miscommunicate. That's the most important thing. He went on to talk about uh, Higgins uh, had been Mayfield's go-to guy in 2018. But didn't catch a pass in the opener at Kansas City and recorded two for 27. I don't think we're just... He said, I don't think he was just practicing at Jarvis' position. So to be to be ready to fill in for him and step up. That takes a lot of communication from Higgins. A lot of reps experience on his part. Mayfield said... That's big time for him to be ready to go. It's obviously important to Browns. Another thing of note, injuries wise, Chris Hubbard, triceps, Jed Wills with the ankle, Taki Taki with the hamstring, Treader and the knee did not practice. Most of those guys should be fine. Jed seems to still be on course to play. We'll see what happens with Chris Hubbard this week. Taki Taki's hammy might be a little more serious than we're being let on. Treader is continually a knee injury guy, right? He is a, uh, He's just gonna be out there and perform so damn well on Sundays. He's just a trooper. He's a trooper. There were a lot of limited, limited names at practice. Batonio, Clowney, Conklin, JOK okay. fully participating was Baker with the left shoulder, so he's okay. He said he's getting treatment on it. Malcolm Smith, full participant, and Schwartz. So the injuries, nothing new really, which is great, other than Jarvis. Browns will wear their 75th anniversary jerseys at home, which is which is going to be fun. The all-whites with the unique number shading. I think they'll wear the all-black cleats for the most part with the two. Should be a really sharp look, especially facing Chicago's blue and whites. Uh, should be a fun game from a uniform, aesthetic perspective. Other than that, it doesn't seem like there's much to know today. There's a little bit from Malcolm Smith about uh, being able to fill in at the last second last year when he talked about going out and playing for B.J. Goodson. Last year we went out to play the Jets, and we literally had like 12 hours before the game, finding out happens Unless this one happened in less time. So it felt good about that. It's about trying to stay engaged even when I'm not out there. It's challenging at times, but even being able to, you know, get that day or two of practice, the whole thing, it helps a lot. And you got to be ready. I made a career out of being able to step in when other guys went down, so hopefully someone else can learn from it, right? That's what he's talking about. Uh, That's what Walker's talking about when he was uh, addressing – some of the situations with players being on COVID and being able to step up and play, you know, when 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 people get hurt, right? That's uh, that's Malcolm Smith talking about when Anthony Walker got hurt. Sorry, so Smith obviously had his eight tackles, five solo, a much better game with that interception as well. So you do love to see that. Uh, Smith also noted, you know, he had to fight off Andre Roberts on that interception. I had it the whole time. I was trying to get up, but he had, but I had it in my left hand, so I dove. Dove in and tried to, tried to take it back. So it was, a, it was a struggle down there, but he did get credited with that interception, so it was a nice play. Uh, and it's good to see Malcolm be comfortable playing that mic and be in the green dot, all of that, too. And, yeah, he's right. He's been able to step up and play for people in, in big moments. You know, he's been around the league. He's been in the biggest of the big games, and they're fortunate to have Malcolm. I know he can play well week one, much better week two. For the Bears, people who are sidelined today, Jeremiah Attachow. Oh, man. Atachu. I don't know. I'm not great with that name. He's got a hamstring. Jimmy Graham, veteran rest. Akeem Hicks. Paying attention to that. Very good defensive tackle out with an illness. Also, Eddie Goldman, limited with his knee. Tayshawn Gibson. We all know Tayshawn Gibson from Cleveland Days, his hamstring. And then Darnell Moody with a groin raw, limited. Those are big, important names for the Bears, which you'll hear our guest talk about in just a moment. If you did happen to miss. The OBR Twitch, which I did the Chalk Talk, which was myself on Baker, Kyle Murphy on the O-Line, and John Stephenson on Defense. You can find that on the Twitch channel. It has about a week before it expires and is gone from the channel. We will be be putting more things up on YouTube to help last longer. When we reach the next level with Twitch, we will get a longer window of operation for keeping things. But right now, we only get it for about a week. So... Yeah, just just get in there and watch it before Sunday if you have the opportunity, or the desire to do that, I should say. So, all right, we're going to do our behind enemy lines a little earlier this week. Uh, check out this interview I have here with Zach Pearson, who writes for, uh, the, you know, writes on the Chicago Bears. Uh, he will explain to you where you can find all of his work at the end. He does a great job there. Part of the the two four seven network, one of the few NFL sites that remain, and they do a really nice job at the Bear Report. So, again.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right. Pretty pumped to talk about an opponent that we haven't talked about in a significant amount of time. Get those crossovers. It gets to be two, three years before you see a team. we got Zach Pearson on. Talk about the Bears. Zach, how are you?
2: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. I know you're in the midst of it. Any moment, the child could happen. I know that nerve-wracking time. So I, I hopefully caught you at a window that that uh, is suitable. And you don't have to hang up and run. So uh,
2: yeah, yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, my friend. Let's let's get into the bears. So kind of lay out for me, man, and our fan base here. I know that keeping Nagy brought a little bit of wishy-washiness and, and pace and that marriage and where they're at. The Justin Fields pick, I think, was the right pick for what they're they're facing. I just kind of want to know what the Nagy experience has been like and the expectations you guys had heading into this year. And then once you talk about those expectations, feel free to touch on how the Bears are doing two games into the season.
0: Yeah,
2: you know, the Nagy ride has been, you know, kind of highs and lows. Um, when he first came in here in 2018, you know, he was the guy that was going to fix Mitch Trubisky and kind of take him to that next level in his game. Um, 2018 was fine. They had a dominant defense, um, 12 and 4, a missed field goal away from going to the NFC divisional round. The problem was everyone kind of looked at the good um, with the defense being just unreal, you know, a, a generational type defense. Um, You know, good wide receiver in Allen Robinson, solid run game in Jordan Howard. They kind of weren't looking at the big picture, which was Mitch Trubisky not developing. And he really struggled in the second half of that season. Going into 2019, he kind of just all fell apart. Um, He got benched late in the primetime game. And then into 2020, you know, they bring in Nick Foles and. That was Matt Nagy's guy, the guy he picked to come in and compete. And now that move just looks like a complete disaster because they're paying Nick Foles, a big cap hit to do nothing on this roster. And Matt Nagy's just kind of, you know, gone from being really high up to respected to a lot of people don't know if he's going to be around um, after this year, if it all kind of goes even more downhill. And it's just kind of been mainly with his offensive scheme and what he wants to do with an offense just hasn't worked. Um, I, I do think part of it is he hasn't had the quarterbacks to help him out. I mean, he went and picked Nick Foles, but there was kind of a rift between them two. Um, Trubisky just wasn't going to be what they thought he was in the number two overall pick. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of just you know gone downhill for him. And when they brought him and Ryan Pace back last year, it was... A little shocking to me. I thought after they blew a, a two-score lead to the Lions, um, I want to say it was like week, 11, or week 12, yeah, week 12, um, I thought they were done. I thought there was no chance they are going to bring them back. And it was even kind of crazier during their end-of-year you know, press conference. The Bears actually pointed to their six-game losing streak in the middle of that season as a positive because of how they – wound up winning three out of four or four out of five to end the year, saying that, oh, they could overcome these you know hurdles and blah, blah, blah. That was just crazy. Now, I do think Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy bought themselves an extra year after this year, and that's Justin Fields. Uh, I think once they, they knew they were going to get a chance to get Justin Fields, everything had to fall into their lap. Um, you know, you had to talk about the Eagles and the, and the, the Cowboys making a trade, the Giants trading back. Um, you know, Trey Lance going to San Francisco, teams passing up on quarterbacks. For Justin Fields to fall in their lap, it bought them another year. Now, so far this year, it's kind of been, you know, a tale of two teams, and especially, you know, two offenses as well, because week one, their game plan against the Rams fit perfectly into what the Rams wanted to do. The Rams pretty much said, here, you can have everything in, in, in front of us. We're not giving you anything deep. And the Bears attempted one pass over 15 yards in that game, and it was picked off. It was the, a play on the first drive in the end the Andy Dalton threw. Last week against Cincinnati, you know Andy Dalton was sharp in his first drive, um, and they actually com- they attempted two passes over 15 yards on their first drive, completed a couple third downs. But then he got hurt on the second drive, came back out, couldn't really do much on the third drive, and they turned it over to Justin Fields. And I was talking to someone earlier in the week, Pretty much this has kind of been the theme all off-season training camp for the Chicago Bears. It kind of almost doesn't matter what happens this year. The only thing that matters is Justin Fields. If Justin Fields is good and he is what a lot of people think he is here, and I'll tell you this, in that building, they truly believe he has the potential to be a top five, top three quarterback in this league. And if he is that, nothing else matters this year. I mean, you know, obviously you want to win games, you want to go to the playoffs, But if they have a legit superstar quarterback, it's kind of just almost like a reset um, with the same type of regime, if that makes sense.
1: Well, speaking of which, we just got news today that uh, Justin Fields is set to start. I think it's tied to Andy Dalton's health. As Matt Nagy talked about, Andy would be the starter upon his return. But nonetheless, it's here. It's in front of you. How are you feeling about it? And are you... Do you think this is the right game, maybe, that you had circled in the preseason as a spot where he could take over? Or is it just like, hey, man, it's happened, it's honest, let's roll with it?
2: Yeah, I actually thought – so I've kind of switched my tune in the preseason a couple times just based on what Matt Nagy said and and showed us in training camp. I thought it would be like week four or five um, that he'd eventually get the start. Um, but then as training camp went on, I thought, man, they could actually go longer than that because the Bears like really have this plan set for for him. Um, but kind of the talk was, you know, if there was an injury, you know, he could be in sooner, and that's kind of exactly what happened. And now we're going to see Fields starting Week Three against the Browns, which is a little earlier than um, a lot of people expected. And it's just kind of interesting because Matt Nagy keeps going back to Andy's our starter if he's healthy. Um, he said it twice now in the past three days. And, you know, while he has pretty much has to say that now, I think if Justin Fields comes out and plays really well on Sunday and then kind of follows it up, you know, even if they win or lose, um, and then follows it up with a nice performance against the Lions, maybe against the Raiders if Andy Dalton's out that long, I don't think you can go back to Andy Dalton at all. And if he does, there'll be so much backlash with the media and the fans. I think it's this is the chance now, I mean, the Justin Fields era could truly, really start and get going here on Sunday. But yeah, I, I always thought it'd be later just because of what Matt Nagy was hinting at us in the training camp. Um, but yeah, it, it's looks like it's go time now for Fields.
1: Well, with that go time, is there a level of offense you think they need to tweak it for him? I mean, you know, any rookie, you're going to condense things and and game plan, scheme things the way you want to to accentuate their skill set, but. I'm just kind of curious, like, do you think he gives the Bears a better shot to win football games, or do you think, like, I don't really care if they win, because I just want to see this young kid play, and grow? does that make sense? Like, you got Dalton, he's okay, whatever, you got a decent chance to win games with him based on the defense and some other factors, but Justin Fields, is two ways you can look at it. He unlocks different things we, we could not do before, and I think he makes us better, or there is the... Let's play the rookie. We'll bite the bullet. If we lose some games, we lose them, but we're getting invaluable experience. I'm kind of interested what the frame of mind is there.
2: Yeah, you know, obviously for fans, everyone wants to see Justin Fields and, and you know, his arm talent and his talent overall is so much better than Andy Dalton's. Um it's not even close. I, I I was at about 21, whatever, 20 training camp practices, and I'd say all but two or three of the days, um Justin Fields is the better quarterback, and one of those days was like his very first practice, which is expected. I think long-term, if you were to ask the Bears, obviously, you know, Justin Fields is the best chance to win. However, short-term to kind of save Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace a little bit, if they are indeed on the hot seat, which none of us know because they won't even release contract information on the um, Ryan Pace to kind of match up with Matt Nagy, they would say probably Andy Dalton's their best chance to save their jobs and win this year. Um Well, a lot of people pointed out the the Patrick Mahomes plan for for Justin Fields. And I didn't really want to believe it at first because I I do think Alex Smith was a way better quarterback at that point than what Andy Dalton is here. Um, But now I truly believe that they were planning on sitting him as long as possible, you know, into week 14, 15. I I don't think, you know, Fields is going to be bad. I think he's going to make rookie mistakes. We saw it already against um, Cincinnati in week one. Uh, with the interception, but I do think they're going to kind of, you know, take the handcuffs off of them, let them go out. Uh, Matt Nagy did admit, and when he was asked about it, he said that the full playbook was open to fields in week two. And part of me kind of thinks that that answer was suggesting that it wasn't fully open to him in the preseason or week one, because they did have special packages for him in week one. And now that he said that in week two, I kind of think they're going to go out there and they're going to run their offense how they want to. I think maybe we'll see a couple more deep shots. I mean, heck, we already saw, you know, Fields had a it was like a 35, 40-yard attempt to Allen Robinson that should have been a touchdown against the Bengals. Um, that was the longest throw of the year for the Bears so far. So I, I do think the full playbook will be open. I think that they kind of want him to run that full playbook and run their explosive, you know, quote-unquote <laughs> offense there. Um, you know, because I do think that one of the strengths with Justin Fields coming out of Ohio State was his deep accuracy was – phenomenal. I mean, it was really damn good with the Buckeyes. And carrying that over to the NFL pretty much will do what Matt Nagy wants to do with his offense, which, you know, the Bears have been awful in deep attempts, you know, ever since Mitch Trubisky got here.
1: Yeah, having watched him closely for as long as we did, it was unfortunate his last year got cut short because he was a joy, man. He was a real joy to watch play, very gifted, uh, always so calculated right like that's a rare thing I always felt calculated never felt rushed always felt uh, that he was not only playing an athletically gifted game but he was playing a cerebrally gifted game and I think that is is pretty important right like I just uh, I think that that matters for you for quarterbacks coming out of college if you're young can you show that you can play in a calm nature and he did that he's done that so I think Cleveland's an interesting game for him Cleveland doesn't blitz much and they play pretty predictable coverage they only blitzed three times last week I don't know if that changes. It might change now that you get a young quarterback, but as far as like looking at a game on paper where it makes sense to throw this guy in there because what you see is pretty much what you get. You get some safety rotation, but you're not going to get a bunch of wild, crazy Kansas City, Baltimore uh, disguised coverages. You're just going to kind of get what they give you. So it's, a, it's an interesting game for him. Let's talk about the offensive line because that will be the unit that will probably make or break this thing. Got to protect the young man. They're struggling. Talk about why they're struggling and if there's a light at the end of the tunnel or it's a... We're just going to have to try to get by this year and improve it next offseason.
2: Yeah, you know, going into this offseason, you know, the offensive line was a big question mark. Um, obviously, you know, they signed Eddie Dalton, the quarterbacks. So they kind of answered one of the questions there. Um, and then and Justin Fields. But, you know, offensive line, they they just, you know, they've struggled for the past couple of years now with injuries. And last offseason, or last season, they made a switch in um, week 12 against Green Bay. I think it was where... They pretty much, you know, moved a couple pieces of Jermaine Fetti out to the right tackle. Um, Sam Muskafer took over at center, and they actually played pretty well. Now, granted, they were going up against some, you know, pretty bad defenses. Minnesota was struggling. The Texans were struggling. Um, Jacksonville was a pretty bad defense last year. So part of that was just going up against bad defenses. But this year, you know, their plans kind of fell apart when second-round pick Tevin Jenkins uh, suffered a back injury or, you know, ag- re-aggravated that back injury. We still have no clue what went on because the Bears will not reveal that. Um, but, yeah, they were really high on him, you know, and when they took him in the second round, they they had a first-round grade on him. I mean, I think I even think Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace admitted that if Justin Fields wasn't there, they weren't going to trade up and they were going to take Tevin Jenkins. So, yeah, their offensive line is kind of just falling apart. You know, it, it got to, like, week two or three of training camp before they even got you know, um, a Fetty back. They had to go out and sign uh, the age's wonder, Jason Peters, a 39-year-old left tackle who's had a hell of a career, probably a Hall of Fame career. But he's not what he was, you know, 10 years ago um, as a left tackle. Looking at this offensive line through two games, it's, you know, been pretty, eh, it's not been great. It's not been awful like many people expected. But going into the season, everyone thought the interior offensive line was going to be the, the strong point. You know, you have Sam Mustafer center, you have James Daniels at guard, you have Cody Whitehair at guard. Sam Mustafer's really struggling. He's like I believe he's like the worst graded um, center or, or even off, or interior offensive lineman on PFF for the first two games, which is kind of shocking to me. James Daniels has been fine. Um, Cody Whitehair struggled a little bit, but their tackles have actually played better than most, you know, expected them to Jason Peters has held up very well. Um, he did a great job on Leonard Floyd in week one, Cincinnati, you know, has a couple solid defensive pieces, nothing like Aaron Donald or Leonard Floyd, or the Rams defense, but they held up kind of well. Now look at this matchup and you have Davian Clowney, um, Malik Modal in the center. You have, um, you have miles Garrett on the edge. This will be the Bears, you know, offensive line uh, another true test for them. You're never going to really slow down Aaron Donald, so they they kind of did a good job of that. Um, but this will be a bigger test because when you see, you know, Miles Garrett line up against Jason Peters, it's kind of going to be youth versus old and can Jason Peters maybe use some of his experience cuz he's not, you know, the quickest or most agile anymore um, to kind of slow down this Browns, um, pass, pass rush. And if the bears, if things start to fall apart, man, they might have to rely on Justin Fields to use his feet to, to keep plays alive. And that's probably not what Matt Nagy really wants them to do in terms of his offense. But yeah, they're going to be tested. And, and if I'm a bears fan, I probably wouldn't feel great about it right now, especially up the middle of Sam Mustafer. but you know, we'll see. It should be a, a very interesting test for them on Sunday.
1: Yeah, that test is with the skill guys, too. You know, I think we talked about Justin being able to to use his feet, and that's something. You know, Pat Mahomes isn't a use-his-feet type of guy all the time, but he does create, and he will pick up annoying first downs where he'll sneak out of the pocket and make plays. Tyrod gave him fits in the first half last week. Justin can do the same things, so it will be a, an absolute focal point in this game. Wide receivers, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, you guys still got the burner. Marquise Goodwin is still around the league, hanging around, making plays. Talk about the wide receivers, tight end, Colmet. You know I, st- I still think that Jimmy Graham's still around right like what's the skill group look like how are they playing right now
2: Yeah so the, the two to really focus on is um Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson is what he is I-, I think he's a top 10 receiver if not he's right there you know top 12 um and he's going to be their primary target he's off to kind of a slow start he did have a touchdown catch on the first drive against the uh, Bengals but then dropped you know a throw from Justin Fields I was right in the bucket for another long touchdown but Mooney's the guy to kind of keep an eye on because he's shown that, you know, last year's wide receiver class in the NFL was absolutely loaded with talent. And he was a guy that kind of fell to the fifth round and the Bears took him. And he was one of the better rookie wide receivers last year. Going into this year, all we heard was he's going to take the next step. He's going to be a guy that can, you know, turn – turn. Um, has great rookie season into an even better sophomore season here um, in Chicago. And so far he's off to a hot start. He doesn't have as many, you know, any touchdowns yet, but he's been targeted actually a lot more than Allen Robinson so far. And then looking, you know, outside of receiver, well, actually we'll go into like the slot and everything. They they made an emphasis to actually add more speed to this offense. And they did that with Marquise Goodwin. They did that with Demir Bird. Um, they picked up Rashad Perryman in the off, in the before um, the season started, but he hasn't been active yet. They want speed on their offense. They want to take deep shots. And so far, we haven't seen that um, from this offense yet. Maybe they try to test this Brown secondary. Um, you know, Denzel Ward's a pretty damn good corner. Uh, but, you know, it, will there be vulnerabilities and chances to attack this secondary? Kind of a wait and see. And in terms of tight ends, this is kind of the area where the Bears really need to put an emphasis on getting things going. Week one, um, Cole Komet had a couple catches Jimmy Graham had one catch on two targets. Uh, week two, Jimmy Graham only played on twenty two snaps and had zero targets. and he's a guy that's pretty much carrying around a, I think it's like five point three million dollar cap hit plus dead money into next year. And he's a guy at this stage of his career. He's not gonna block, and we saw that Last week, Justin Fields had the corner turned. It was gonna be a touchdown on a run. and Jimmy Graham was totally whiffed and really give no effort on a block and Fields was stopped. You just can't have that from a veteran tight end. And I understand what Graham's role is at this point of his career. He's not a guy that's going to go out and and dominate anymore, but he's a legit red zone threat. And Matt Nagy actually talked about this. He said, you know, he was asked about why aren't the tight ends getting involved and kind of had a weird answer where he said something like, you know, the game plan kind of dictates everything and we kind of scheme them um, into the game plan. Well, through the first two weeks, they haven't really been schemed into this game plan at all. So I'll be interested to see if the Bears try to to find some matchups or mismatches with Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham. But for now, it appears Cole Komet's tight end one and, and he's a guy they really are high on. But the production for either of them just, you know, it just hasn't been there so far.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when they go twelve personnel how the Browns match it. For the most part, they played base against any uh any twelve personnel, three backers. They'll put Taki Taki on the field. But if they do get some you know, if they do find themselves in 11, often, you know, if that's what Chicago's going to go with, the Browns have been getting real creative with personnel, some nickel, some dime, uh, and they'll put Ronnie Harrison on tight ends and get, try to get creative there. We'll see if that stuff has an uptick. David Montgomery, the Browns have defended the run well. I mean, of all things, I think they're doing well. They're really shutting down run game approaches, but I think David Montgomery and, and, and Damian Williams present a nice challenge. Talk about what they're doing run game wise and if there's any, uh, any positive strides in that department. <sighs>
2: Yeah, you know, uh, David Montgomery is obviously the guy that everyone talks about in the run game, and, and rightfully so. He had a really good game against the Rams, um, yeah, but they really missed Tariq Cohen. You know, he's not even close to really being ready to go. Um, he suffered the knee injury, I think it was exactly a year ago, last week against the Falcons in week three, and he just hasn't been able to return. I don't know if there was a setback. They would admit if there was a second surgery. Um, so they went out and got Damian Williams, who, you know, all offseason he, he had a pretty good, you know, um, camp training camp and mini camp he was catching passes out of the backfield being used a lot in the run game he struggled a bit to kind of find his role but David Montgomery's just been you know better than advertised and he you know in order for the Bears I think to win this game and, and make things comfortable for Justin Fields I'd like to see them go a little more to the run early and often uh, Montgomery you know had I want to say it was over 100 yards in the second or third quarter against the Rams and they kind of went away from the run in week one Week two, he only had like 59 rushing yards, and they kind of went away from the run again. They just couldn't get any rhythm going in offense. So when he's struggling, it kind of feels like that offense as a whole um, struggles, whether that's Matt Nagy going away from the run or maybe David Montgomery just not finding the holes. But Montgomery, you know, put an emphasis this offseason on getting faster, and he, he even said learning to run again. And I talked to his coach, his speed coach that he worked with, um, that's not affiliated with the Bears, and he kind of broke down that you know David was kind of laboring a little too much with his run style, and they kind of tweaked some things. Um, he wouldn't exactly reveal what it was, but he did mention that you know he clocked Montgomery getting faster significantly, and we did see that a little bit here um, so far this season, picking up big chunks on the ground. I really think the Bears are going to have to rely on this run game uh, against the Browns' defense and, and make you know put Justin Fields in good situations. And by doing that, you know, a quarterback's best friend is the run game. So I I wouldn't be shocked if they went to that early and often.
1: Yeah, we're quite familiar with that in Cleveland. It's a a huge anchor of what they do. And, man, it's a clash of the titans this week. You know, Chicago brings in Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, uh, Eddie Goldman, Keem Hicks. It's the, the, I would say, as far as a collective group of front players, it's as good as it gets against Cleveland's as good as it gets, you know. So it is going to be the focal point for me in terms of good on good is how the Browns are able to run against the against the box of Chicago. Because I would imagine any time opposing coaches are looking at Cleveland, they say, we got to figure out how we stop 24-27 and make Baker throw to beat us. Which he can, but that's just like the preferred route. I mean, because obviously. I mean, Odell's back this week. That could help uh, some things in terms of finding open windows. But it all th- it radiates for Cleveland through the run game. Talk about, you know, Roquan Smith mixed in there too. I know... Last week the the metrics were really strong, man. I know that I think if I'm checking this thing right, there were three interceptions, a fumble recovery, obviously a forced fumble, four sacks, six tackles for loss, nine quarterback hits, eight passes defended. That's that's pretty damn impressive. Now I know that the Rams game week one didn't go as well, but they present a unique challenge in and of themselves with McVeigh. It's still a really good defense. I know you talked about that twenty what was it, twenty nineteen team and, and it was thriving on defense, and I know the names are a bit older, but they're still pretty good, right?
2: Yeah, you know, they still have talent on that defense, and, and they've been preaching takeaways all offseason. They didn't have any in week one. They had four last week, and those numbers sounded about right, what you said. Um, they actually had a string. Joe Burrow threw three straight interceptions on three consecutive passing attempts. Oh, boy. Yeah, one of them was a pick six to Roquan, and the but the struggles for the Bears were they got the other two. They only scored three points off of those other two, which, you know, that just can't happen. That, that, that 2018 team, when they were getting turnovers, the offense was scoring or they were bringing them back themselves. So, yeah, this is going to be a, a tough test for the Bears' defense because I've seen them in the past shut down running attacks. You know, they go against Delvin Cook twice a year. They went against, you know, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams um, twice a year, a couple of years ago. They still have to go against Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones. They've gone against DeAndre Swift um you know we've seen them take on you know Ezekiel Elliott running backs like that they haven't really seen a rushing attack like Cleveland's yet and you know in my limited time watching the Browns you know Chubb and and Hunt are two different backs in my eyes and it kind of feels like Cleveland you know you can correct me if I'm wrong it kind of feels like Cleveland has like the approach of like it's almost like a boxing match you know jab jab and then boom they're gonna just hit you in the mouth with with a knockout punch.
1: Yeah, they call that a counter, right? Like that's what yeah. Cleveland does. They'll zone you, zone you, and then they'll run gap schemes at you. Power counter, pin pull. They'll get real crazy. They are labeled a, a team that will run zone, but they they run more gap stuff, man.
2: And that's where the Bears could be in trouble because We don't know the status of Eddie Goldman just yet. He's missed the first two weeks of the season. And if he's healthy and he plays, I'd feel a little more confident about the Bears being able to stop the run, not too much. If he doesn't play, they might have a hard time stopping the run. When he went out um, a couple years ago and Akeem Hicks got hurt a couple years ago, and even last year when Eddie Goldman was was out for the entire season, early on, and if you want to go back and look at the Atlanta tape, so say Atlanta, and Detroit with the ageless Adrian Peterson, they ran right up the gut on the Bears, right up the middle. And they were gashing them five, six yard gains, just wearing them down. Um, and that's what I kind of think, you know, Cleveland will do with with Chubb and then kind of maybe bring in almost, you know, home run hitter type play with, with Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, kind of pick change the pace up a little bit and and kind of keep the Bears on their toes I, I'm just worried for the Bears about stopping the run. They pride themselves on stopping the run. You'll see them mix in a couple um, different looks. You'll have Akeem Hicks at the nose. They'll have Blount Nichols at the nose. Um, Angela Blackson's played well. Mario Edwards is coming back this week. They have a bunch of guys that can kind of do different things on their line with different techniques. Um, but they just, like I said, they haven't seen a rushing t- attack like this. And when they're missing Eddie Goldman and they're kind of, you know, maybe not matching. What the the Browns are doing in terms of formations, they could get gashed up the middle. Uh, they might get gashed to the outside as well. Robert Quinn's really um, struggled at times setting the edge, and it's just going to be kind of you know in my eyes a matchup. Can Sean DeSai scheme a good defense? Can he you know confuse the Browns' offense, especially on blitzes or, or run blitzes stuff like that? It's it's just it's going to be a really tough test for them on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I thought the Texans did a really nice job of moving people up front, slanting guys, displacing different gaps that maybe you weren't expecting. You're lined up in a three, Mm -hmm. you shoot back to the A gap, maybe that's not what you're expecting as a guard, you overextend and a play gets blown up. Cleveland wasn't sharp in run game last week. They still ran the ball for 150 yards, but I'm telling you, they weren't sharp. They, They were missing assignments. They had, I think, three or four negative plays, which is super rare for them. But at any given moment, they click they clicks the way they can get it to click, and you hand the ball to twenty-four and he's gone thirty yards. I mean, he's just that special. And then you mix in Kareem, who I consider to be as good as he's ever been, downhill running the football is an unbelievable counterpunch. So you you really could play, you know, if they, if they run the ball 30 times, Zach, and, and you, you play twenty-five of them fantastic, but you don't the other five, you look up and Cleveland's got 130 rushing yards. Yep. So that's the yep. challenge. Talking about the secondary, because how they can try to, to tease Baker into some bad decisions will be something that I, I'll i watch it every week, but I think the pressure will be there from them. I mean, the, the names uh, tell the story, right? And the stats last week, I don't think the Bengals are anywhere near offensive talent-wise. Cleveland is, but they they the numbers don't lie, and they're still getting pressure, and Khalil Mack is still Khalil Mack, so on and so forth. But talk about Jalen Johnson because the secondary is some similar names, right? Tayshawn Gibson, Eddie yep. Jackson. I mean, we all know Gibson from his Cleveland days. Eddie Jackson's still a damn good safety in the NFL. But the corner that seems to be turning the corner because there's this whole conversation about Fuller leaving and the Chicago secondary is a disaster. You know, talk about the corners. But I mean, Jalen Johnson's the guy that's becoming. It's two weeks here, but he had a pretty solid year last year, and he's turning into something special, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy. You know, there's a lot of questions about this Bears defense. And he was the guy that, you know, I think he had the most pressure on him just because they essentially said, okay, we're going to have to release Kyle Fuller for, for essentially nothing, they didn't get anything back from him, and we're going to throw Jalen Johnson into that top defensive back role. And, you know, Johnson, he got hurt at, at um, Utah, which is kind of a reason why he fell to the second round. I don't think if he suffered an injury, he would have fallen to the second round. I think he was a first-round talent. But last year, he couldn't stay healthy either. He missed, uh, I want to say, like the final four or five games down the stretch, including the playoff game. And there was concerns, you know, can he take that next step? Through so the first two games, he's been fantastic. I think he's uh, pro football focuses highest graded uh, defensive back in, in the first two games, which is, you know, pretty damn good. He's only given up like 89 receiving yards in two games. And um, a big chunk of those were, Uh, given to him on a blown coverage that I don't think he had anything to do with against the Rams. It looked like that was more on the nickel and uh, Deshaun Gibson. So that number is even lower. Um, His pass coverage grade in pro football focus is up to like, I think it's like 83, which is fantastic. He's been really damn good this year. And he's been a guy that they needed him to take that next step. And he plays with a lot of confidence. Last year, he didn't have an interception. He he put an emphasis on um, getting takeaways this year. He made a nice uh, a nice play on a route. Um, you know, Joe Burrows, look, at this kind of an out route, and he was staring down his receiver. Johnson broke on it, picked him off, and, and it was just a fantastic play. That was a play he wouldn't make last year, and he got his hands on the ball, caught it. Last year, he probably would have dropped it or just, you know, had a pass, you know, batted down, something like that. He's been really good. Um, the the tail of the secondary for the Bears has been, you know, week one, three blown coverages that led to three touchdowns for the Rams. That was the difference in the game. They looked awful in week one, um, and, and it was just kind of unlike them, unlike two veterans in Gibson and Jackson, to have blown coverages like that. Week two, they they're a lot better. Eddie Jackson forced a takeaway on, on a fumble, and uh, Gibson was pretty stout in coverage and run support. The weakness here, if the Browns are looking to expose something, that nickel cornerback spot for the Bears is a total mess right now. They've had two different players start. in in these two games and the battle is still continuing on. Marquis Christian was really bad in week one against the Rams. Duke Shelley was really bad in week two against the Bengals. And they just, they cannot find a solution there and they're in trouble. And thankfully for the bears, Jarvis Landry is not playing this week. Um, Otherwise it could, I would have bet pretty much all of Jarvis Landry's props um, if he was playing, that's how bad the bears, you know, nickel spots been. And then opposite of Jalen Johnson, Kendall Vilder's a player, He'll flash, um, a really good open field tackler, aggressive, he'll try to make plays on the ball, but sometimes he gets a little too over-aggressive, um, jumps the route a little too early, you know. maybe is fooled by a, an inside move, and then the receiver goes to the outside, things like that. Uh, if Cleveland's looking to kind of expose the Bears, I, I would look at that slot position and that, and that other defensive back position opposite of uh, Jalen Johnson.
1: It's going to be a fascinating game. I think both teams are at a, a sort of juxtaposition. I think that certainly where Chicago's going is a little less certain than where Cleveland's going. But this is the type of game, if they were to come into Cleveland, they could really propel them toward toward pushing up toward 8, nine, ten wins. You never know. You you get these games, and you, you can figure out your rookie quarterback how to solve defenses, and you feel like, okay, this is something we can do going forward. So the implications are big here. I mean, Cleveland goes to Minnesota, and then they come home for Arizona, or they go to Minnesota, They go to the Chargers and Arizona comes to Cleveland after that. So they got three really big games. There's not a doubt in my mind that they would love to get this second win right here. So I don't think, you know, like I thought last week, Cleveland kind of just played through the motions against the Texans, not a team that you get excited for Chicago starting Justin Fields. It's going to be all eyes on this game for Cleveland. I think obviously Chicago has got a ton of anticipation about this one too. Like I said, could launch them into the, a good part of their season with great vibes. So should be a ton of fun, man. Should be a great game. Zach, I know my fan base, these listeners really appreciate all your insights on the roster. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you before you go.
2: Yeah, for sure. No, Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, you can follow uh, the Bear Report on Twitter. It's just Bear Report. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. And uh, you can read my work on bearreport.com, also part of 24-7 Sports. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward. This will be a fun game uh, to watch on Sunday. I um, hope I was... Planned a trip to go down to Cleveland and, and catch the game, but uh, I cannot at the moment. So, um, unfortunately not. But, yeah, it'll be, it should be a good game. And, uh, you know, best of luck to the Browns the rest of the season.
1: Likewise, man. Likewise, everything up your way. And uh, hopefully things turn out well with the upcoming big event. We appreciate your time, Zach. Yeah.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it, man.
1: Big thank you to Zach for joining us on this show. Always appreciate when we get the time of somebody who covers another team that will take a half hour to come talk to us about that team. I do it for other podcasts, but again, you need to thank those who take the time because I have seen on Twitter, some people try to charge for podcast appearance, which is wild. Anyway, now that you know everything about the Bears, you should feel pretty good about what's coming from Chicago this weekend. We will have a podcast tomorrow with John Colisima where we talk about our weekly opponent. And around the AFC North, we'll talk about how the Browns beat the Bears. Should be a great time. Everybody make sure you check that out. Continue to check out the OBR Twitch, where we had not the same old Browns last night, and then tonight we will have the OBR Weekly. So continue supporting us if you can. It is always appreciated. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I'll check back in on Friday as usual. Until then, go Browns.